What's up, podcast family? Welcome to the Church Voice Podcast, um, where we're building the body of Christ through a variety of voices. So I'm Pastor Spencer Davis um, here at Christian Center Church. I'm here with my co-host, Pastor Tyler. What up, y'all? All right. And um, and yeah, we are completely sponsored, supported, and recorded here at Christian Center Church. So check us out at christiancenter.org slash church-voice-podcast. Follow us on social media, all that good stuff. Um, but we are back with another episode. How you feeling today, Pastor Tyler? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I have been on ten thousand though the past couple of days because there's just been so much going on. I got so many plans rolling in my head, and you get there, and it's like, bro, I'm popping in people's offices, and I'm like, <laughs> and like, and everybody's, you know following but i just feel like i've yeah. been on a million i can i can attest yeah to that. you yeah. came in i think it was yesterday yeah and, no no no. it was i think it was wednesday yeah well and, yesterday too well because i had true. a hard two hours that's to true. do to do work before i went and picked up my wife and then i mean i think we talked about eight different subjects in about five solid minutes for sure and just ran through i've been it. doing that to everybody it was efficient man yeah i'm down but that's how i get man when it's high pressure time when like when more and more is getting put on my plate i just i just i just go to another level just energy wise and i'm like you know but yeah so i'm i'm doing well and I'm I'm just gonna ride this wave until I crash. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be great. Um, but before we get into our topic, I did have a little bit of medicine for this week. All right, Go ahead. It, it, and it and it may not be like super funny, but it, hopefully we can get a laugh out of it. So I'm so quick quick story. So um, my wife has been out of town, obviously. So I've been driving Riley back and forth to childcare. Um, for the most part, when he has to go in the morning, he's like, I don't want to go. He's like, I don't want in, in his child care. Her, her name is, uh, Miss LaDon White. So every morning he's like, I don't want to go Miss LaDon's. <laughs> so he's two years old. So it's for those who are listening, he's like, I don't want to go Miss LaDon's. And so lately he's been like, oh, go, go Miss LaDon's, go Miss LaDon's. And I'm like, oh, so now you want to go. So the other day he kind of. He he exposed his heart a little bit, Uh-oh. and I and I and I think I found out the reason why he wants to go, which I was cracking up. I'm like, oh yeah, so we're in the we're we're on our way to childcare, right? He's in the back seat, and he's like, out of nowhere, he's like, go methadones, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool. He's like, he's like, yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, you want to go to methadones? He's like, yeah. And um, and then like one minute later, he's like, Jojo going to be there. I said, Jojo is going to. That's one of his friends. So he's got two friends, Jojo and Alvin. So he's like, Jojo going to be there. I'm like, Jojo is going to be there. He's probably waiting on you. And he's like, yeah. He's like, Alvin going to be there. I said, I said, Alvin is going to be there. And so like the conversation ended there. About five minutes later, we're about to pull up. And he's like, Anna's going to be there. Oh snap. I said, I said, mind you, I'd never heard, I'd never heard this before. Never heard this before. He said, he said, I said, what? I said, what, Riley? He said, Anna gonna be there. I said, what? He said, Anna. I said, Anna. I said, oh, I said, oh, I said, oh. <laughs> I said, Anna gonna be there? He said, 
He said, and then he put his hands to his face, acted embarrassed, smiled with his little dimples and was like, no. I was like, oh, I said, I'm not going to be there. He's like, no, Papa. I said, who is? I said, I'm not going to be there. So I just I've discovered that I think my two year old has a two year old crush. So, yeah. Cute little Asian girl at the at the at the at the childcare. That is awesome. I'm like, dude, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. So that is so funny, I, dude. I was cracking up. I mm-hmm. told his mom. I said, I said, your son done ex- exposed his heart today. <laughs> well, okay, I gotta say this. She so at first I just said exposed himself. She said, <laughs> she said, she said where at school. I said no, 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 honey. Exposed his heart. Exposed his heart. And she was like, oh, thank God. I was like, no, 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 no. So sorry, I had to, I had to, I had to put that. That's in there. awesome. Yeah, I as a father. Yeah, I am not ready for situations. I'll like be that. honest with but you, but I got a girl though. I was low key incredibly proud as a as a as a dad to a son. I was like. Okay, okay. But I was like, no, we ain't got time for that. That's the difference right there. You're like, yeah. okay, yeah. okay. And I'll be like, tell me who he is. Tell me. What's his give me his <laughs> name and likeness? Who's that boy's daddy? I'm a whoop. <laughs> right. I'm a whoop. You're coming out of childcare. <laughs> like, is your son named Joseph? <laughs> <laughs> Every but single yeah. kid that walks out, I'm gonna interrogate. Yeah, yeah. You just wait with your child in the cold. <laughs> Waiting for whoever this other child is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was I was low-key proud. I knew who he was talking about as soon as he said it, but I was like, Anna. Because it was, I didn't recognize, he always says JoJo and Alvin, but then he said, Anna come out. I said, I don't know. I don't know who that is, but. That's hilarious. Then he started cheesing and chuckling. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. We're, it's too soon, but I'm I'm a proud dad. So <laughs> That's so funny. It was hilarious. That's good medicine. Yeah. That's good. Good medicine. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure our listeners are smiling at that. Oh, yeah. That's oh, good. yeah. Good. Well, you guys enjoy that. Chew on that for a little bit. Um, but I'm not going to give you guys much time to chew because we're going to get right into our t- topic because we don't want to hold you guys forever. So um, so let me preface our our um, our guest today because I'm going to start calling them guests. I know they're dead and gone, you know, or in heaven, but, you know, they're guests on our show. Um, so yeah, to preface our guest today... Um, it's it is uh it is February. Oh wait, wait. it is February still. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's uh it's February Black History Month. So we wanted to we wanted to highlight um um a special figure for for Black History Month and we kind of went not unconventional but but really we're we're non-denominational, our church, but we were kind of Pentecostal in nature. That's how I tell people about our church. I'm like, we're non-denominational, but we function in the gifts. We function in the Holy Spirit. So we kind of went, um, we went with someone who we thought would just be be a good subject and a good um, highlight. One for for um, for the Spirit, obviously Pentecostalism, whatever. Um, but also for Black History Month. So we're going to be talking about uh, William Seymour, William J. Seymour. Look him up. Wikipedia's got a great bio on him um, because I am not going to give all the details because there's a lot of details there. But look him up. Um, So just a little bit of context. So he lived from 1870 to 1922. All right. So he was born in uh, Centerville, Louisiana, to two emancipated slaves, all right? Yeah, so um, his parents were emancipated slaves. And, um, oh, wow, that's a, that's a, 
that's a fact from last week. We're going to skip that. But so his biggest thing, um, the biggest thing that he's known for, obviously, is he led the Azusa Street Revival. Again, if that's not something that you've heard of, look it up, get the information. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit right now. Um, and, and there's, again, there's a lot of details to his life, but I want, I, so Azusa Street Revival, born in, uh, Louisiana, but I wanted to give this little fact and we can kind of get into the, uh, the quote and stuff like that. So the, I thought this was so interesting being, being a Hoosier, being from Indiana, being in Indiana, I was like, Hey, give it up. Um, mind you, I was born in this place. So in 19, in 1895, uh, Seymour moved to uh, from Louisiana, he moved from Louisiana to Indianapolis. So he moved to Indianapolis, and that's actually where he got saved. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, and then he went on to uh, uh, to go to L.A. and stuff like that. So because that's where the revival happened. Um, so I'll let you segue into that. But I just wanted to give a shout out to Indiana, all my all my Indianapolis yeah. people, all my Indiana folks out there. You know. So yeah, that's that's it's really cool that, that you gave that fact because mm-hmm. I had a fact too. Mm. Um, and it, it pairs very well with this fact. It better. So <laughs> he got, <laughs> it better flow, son. <laughs> so Seymour gets saved in a Methodist church. Yeah. Uh, in Indianapolis, like mm-hmm. you just said. A lot of people don't know, and I, I can't go into a lot of explanation, would be here all day, but Pentecostalism and a, a lot of charismatic expression in general yeah. It all comes from Methodism. Yeah, you're a you're a Methodist kind of junkie. I'm like huge. You, yeah, into you. It. Yeah, yeah. John Wesley, Charles all Wesley, that. John all Fletcher, yeah. all those guys. I actually had fun fact about me. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't about you, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> My dad did the uh, ancestry mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. and one of our family members was a. Uh, led a Methodist congregation. Really, in England back during the time what? of John Wesley. Wow. Yeah, I'd be a little cool. obsessed if I were you too. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was already obsessed. Then when I heard that, I was like, oh, oh yeah. shoot, it runs in the blood. It runs in the blood. Part of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that's and I say that just to say that Seymour kind of moves away from the Methodist label mm-hmm. and starts preaching at a holiness congregation, which was which was a charismatic offshoot charismatic revivalist offshoot of of Methodism, mm. um, which is, I know, it's, it's an historical thing. Some people may not care. That's cool to me. It's cool to me. So anyway, he is in this holiness congregation, and he starts teaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of, of speaking in tongues, and the holiness congregation didn't believe in that. Yeah. So they actually, I think it was, I want to say it was 1903, I want to say it was 1903, where they they literally, after he taught a sermon on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they locked him out of the church doors <laughs> and fired him. And so he's just like all of a sudden unemployed yeah. just for teaching that. And so then he finds his way to an African Episcopal, Episcopalian church mm. on Azusa Street, yeah. starts leading a Bible study there, wow. and in 1906, that's when the revival happens. Wow. A revival that really... That was the birthplace of yeah. Pentecostalism, one of the birthplaces, yeah. I should say, yeah. of of our expression, 100%. and of many of our listeners of 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 your expression yeah. and the faith we hold so dear. So 
I'm so pumped to talk about this. Yeah. I really yeah, you probably well, can well, tell. Yeah, go <laughs> in, man. Out. Go in. Because I love it. Yeah. Um, but but we always want to share a story or a quote yep, about the person. For sure. You know, we always sure. do that. So I've got a quote from William Seymour right here, and I love it. I think it goes perfectly with uh, Pentecostalism. I think it goes perfectly under the umbrella of, of Black History Month, like we've been saying. So William Seymour said this. He said, the Pentecostal power, when you sum it all up, is just more of God's love. Mm. If it does not bring more love, it is simply a counterfeit. Pentecost makes us love Jesus more and love our brothers more. It brings us all into one common family. And reading that, there's so many places that we could go with that. Yeah. But I I really want to use this quote and the whole Azusa Street movement because one of the things I was showing you this picture earlier um, in 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 one of my books of the leadership of the Azusa Street Revival. Yeah. All the main influential men and women, men and women, there's just as many women in that picture that is true. as men. And then they're split almost perfectly between black and white. And then there, there were many Hispanics um, in, involved as well. I didn't see any in the picture. Um, it was L.A. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So it was a diverse yeah. spot. Not that I've been there, but I've heard. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It was a very diverse spot. So just in in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. in in the era in which they were living in, for the Holy Spirit to begin moving the way he was and producing the diversity and yet the unity and the love that characterized that movement to me in this month and at this time yeah. in our cultural moment, to me, this is a perfect testimony of what the Holy Spirit really does yes. when he moves on people. Yes. Is it's it brings diversity, it brings love, it brings unity, and the the power that we all Pentecostals want so bad, that power without the quality of God in love, William Seymour says it's counterfeit. Yeah. And he was very in, intentional about it. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to set the table there. I know it's a it's a broad range of things that we could talk about, mm-hmm. but I just I love the idea here that if the power that we have through Christ doesn't produce more love, it's it's counterfeit. Yeah, a hundred percent. And one of the things that stuck out to me about this about this quote is obviously the word Pentecost and the word brothers. So he says. Pentecost makes us love Jesus more and love our brothers more. And so I feel like I feel like Pentecost is and I've and I've observed this and I don't want to get off on this tangent don't know why I'm going here. But I've observed that like the Pentecostal church um in the in the white community and the Pentecostal church in the black community are two very different things. Yeah. Um but and and I just and I just want to speak to this because this is what hit me so hard about this quote, and this is just me. Um, but they're two very different things, but it, but they're all but they're both two very separate things. Right. And there's a lot of division um, in both sects, in right. both um, both places. Right. You know where where you know white Pentecostals don't really fool with I mean like there's I'll be I'll say it frankly there's a lot of race issues amongst white Pentecostals and then there's a lot of race issues amongst black Pentecostals on both sides and and yes being a a a mixed man black nonetheless you know I've observed this for so long 
and that so so Pentecost in reference to the word brothers, I think is an in a, an important distinction to make because um, this is not brothers under a certain umbrella. This is brothers under the kingdom of God. And so I think that we've got to begin to look at um, that definition of brothers. Who is my brother? And, and, it's, and it's anyone who, who believes in the same, like who is a part of the family of God. And so, and I see it so many times where we, we, myself included in in times past where we we feed the beast of of racism and division um because we it, and again it's on both sides no one's excluded from this um but we feed the beast and and we create division and and we kind of deem someone is not our brother be, because of the color of their skin their upbringing or whatever um, when really everyone who belongs to Jesus is my brother and my sister. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important distinction. We talk about Pentecost and we talk about the spirit. That should bring me closer. So if I'm saying I'm doing spiritual things, if I'm saying the spirit is moving, if I'm saying that I'm 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 walking in the spirit and I'm functioning in the spirit, Pentecost wise. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because you've got black Pentecostal church, white. Pe- if if that's the case, if we say, "Oh, we're we're functioning, we're flowing," oh, the spirit was moving, then then that should bring us closer to our brothers and our sisters, not just the brothers and the sisters within within the building that we belong to. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes so that's, perfect sense. That's just what hit my heart so hard with this. So that hit me too. Yeah, and I. I love specifically, and you sounds like you made the exact connection I did because we didn't talk about this. Yeah, um, but I made the same connection too between Pentecost and love for Jesus and and love for our brothers, and then the part at the end about the one common family. It brings us all into one common family. That is so deep, and I'm hopefully I don't I don't take this on a rabbit trail that's unnecessary. But to me, this is so deep, and it's just a way of looking at the day of Pentecost in a new way. And Seymour catches on, and I, and yeah. I love this, because the day of Pentecost was the reversal of the Tower of Babel. Mm. So Go there. Okay. No, All go right, there. We'll go there. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We'll go there. Yeah, yeah. So if you were to speak to a typical American, uh, an American Christian, and you ask them, why is the world evil? Why is it full of sin? Why are things not reconciled with God? They would tell you the fall. And they're not wrong. But if you were to ask a Jewish rabbi, especially in in the first century, okay, around the time of Jesus and his disciples, if you were to ask them the same question, they would give you three answers. Mm. They would say the fall in Genesis 3. They would say the the whole tragedy of the Nephilim in Genesis 6. And they would say the Tower of Babel mm. in Genesis 11. That they would say that those are the three human rebellions that have caused the world to be in the chaos that it's in. So the Tower of Babel, I'm really trying to hurry through this. No, you're good. Yeah. You're good. The Tower of Babel, a lot of us know the story. Yeah, I'm like okay. soaking it like a sponge. The whole world is there. <laughs> the whole the whole world is there. Everybody's there. And they're like, let's let's build you know, this building, this tower that reaches up to the heavens. Now, this is not something they just randomly decided. 
we we see in other Mesopotamian manuscripts, we see people doing this. And what they would do is when you would build a tower up to the heavens or the gods, quote unquote, up in the sky, <laughs> but they thought that's where the gods were. When you would do that, it was so that you could get up there and barter with the gods. Mm. You would tell them, so we're going to tell you to do this, yeah. and this is what we'll give you in exchange. And so God sees that, and he's like, I'm not going to— I hope you guys are picking this up right now. This is—go <laughs> ahead. Sorry, I, I'm I know, not trying to interrupt, but, like, I'm I'm hanging on every word because mm-hmm. I feel I feel what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I feel where you're going. Yeah. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. You know where I'm going to—you know where I'm going to finish <laughs> yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. So God is like, okay, I'm not going to barter with these people. I, I'm God. I'm God Almighty. I don't barter with human beings. And so he says, if, if all these people have one common purpose and one common mind, they can do anything. Mm. So he says, let's go down and confuse the languages. Mm. And so it's at that point where all, all these different ethnicities and languages, where these begin to be formed and where they spread out all over the world. What's cool about, we fast forward all the way to Acts 2, okay, they're, the disciples, they're all up in the upper room, the Spirit falls, they begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. So these Jews from all over the world who were in town for, for Pentecost, for that festival, that feast, they were there, and it says that they were Jews there from every, every, every ethnicity under heaven. Yep. Yep. There's all different yeah. sorts of people there. And they're hearing, they're hearing the disciples praise and declare the greatness of God in their own language. Yeah. So it's reversing the Tower of Babel because the language of the Spirit brings us all into one common mind, one common purpose, and one common language, one common family. So William Seymour hits something so deep with me here, and I think so deep with all of us, and especially the point that you're making— that if we all truly have the Spirit, we're supposed to be having the same mind, speaking the same language, and it's the language of the Spirit, the language of love and the language of unity. So if we're not doing that, there must be a problem. There yeah. must be a problem. Yeah. And there's and there's no and in, in, in that, in that, there is no room for division. There is no room for ill will. There is no room for prejudice because if we're being honest, again, being, being my, my mother is white. My dad is black. Um, if, if, if I was categorized, I'd be black. Yeah. You can say I'd be in the house or whatever you, whatever you want to say, but I'm a black man. So, uh, but I've, but I've been able to observe this and, and I've, I've, I've had to deal with my own stuff, you know, um, and but we all have those prejudices. And so if we're again, if we're talking about being in the spirit, there's no room for that. Mm-hmm. And even when you talk about Black History Month, Black History Month, it, it should not be a thing of division. Right. It should not be a, a thing of division among whites nor among blacks. It should. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, yes, it's it's to highlight um, black achievement and, and black history in general. Yeah. The the positives and the negatives. But but really, we want to highlight but it, but it shouldn't be a matter of supremacy. Does that make sense? Right. And I just I want to I want to speak to that because we gotta be we gotta be so careful, especially as as black people, we gotta be careful not to adopt. And I and I I get the reasoning because of because of the oppression, because of the history of things. I, I get the inclination to do that, but we have to be careful 
And we have to be so intentional about walking in unity with our our white brothers and sisters um, as we celebrate black achievement, black history, and everything like that. Because if 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 that if division starts to come in, if hatred hatred starts to come in, if evil starts to come in in any way, then we are we are automatically in the flesh and not in the spirit. And here's the thing: when we walk in the flesh, and we walk according to the flesh and not according to the spirit, we we um. Because the only way we are, what does it say? It says is that those who walk according to the spirit are are sons of God, mm-hmm. and so that's that's where our sonship comes and our and our daughtership comes, if you want to say that, is by walking in the spirit. And again, what I'm trying to say, and I know I'm saying a lot, but that there's no room for disunity. There's no room for division, prejudice, or ill will toward any individual who who is a son or daughter of God. And again, that goes on both sides. And so I just think that that's so, that's so powerful and something that we've got to really be honest with ourselves about, you know, and, and I, and I want to go here and, and honey, if you're listening to this, I, you know, I, I, you know, the conversations we've had, but like, that was something that me and my wife had to go through because my wife is black and she, I mean, she's, she's dark skinned, beautiful chocolate. Like I love my, I love my wife. I just, sorry. I just, I, I just pictured her and I was like, oh man. But like, I love my, I love my wife and she's, she's absolutely beautiful. Her skin is everything about her is beautiful, but she's dealt with things. And I had to, I've, I've had to have conversations with my wife and with myself as well. But I've had to have conversations with my wife and say, that's not of God. That's not, that's not spirit. The way that you're thinking is not spiritual. And I, I, I get the pain of it, but, but we have to let, we have to let Jesus heal that. We have to let the spirit, um, mend that wound. And, and so we've had to have some very difficult conversations to the point, like when we were dating, she was like, I don't know if I can be with you. Thankfully, we got through it mm-hmm. and we've we've really we've been able to grow her and I both. Um, but we we can't allow those things to take root, especially when we're saying we're walking in the spirit. Exactly. Well, and I love what you're saying and I, I love where you're taking it. And I think I think part of our problem, especially today and and all the all the history and, and everything that comes to people's minds whenever whenever you start on this conversation. We have such a guilty, innocent framework in our society, especially right now with cancel culture, all of these kinds of things. Um, sin has never been more accessible and exposed. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just everywhere. People are being exposed left and right. And we have to start when we enter the kingdom of God, we have to begin looking with a different framework, and that's the framework 100%, of love. 100%. So if you looked at me right now and said guilty, you would be right. And if I looked back at you and said guilty, I would be right. Yeah. And that's the thing. So we can all look at each other. We can Even racially, we can look at each other and say, you're guilty of things. And you can look at me and say, you're guilty of things. And then we can be very honest and say, I am guilty. If it's about guilty or innocent, we're all guilty. All of us would be quote unquote yeah. canceled. Yeah. Because we're all guilty, because we're sinners. But when we come into this new covenant, this new family that's been bought by the blood of Jesus, we start looking with a new framework. 
So I'm, I'm not going to hold your sins against you, nor should you hold mine against me, because love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. And we have to start thinking of things that way and yeah. moving that way. That doesn't mean we ignore what's happened. Yep. We have to learn from it. Yeah. We have to learn from the mistakes. Yeah. I remember telling the youth group when we were talking about race in the kingdom of God, I said, if, if I don't learn from mistakes of white people in the past, I am no better. Mm. I may not do the same exact thing they did, but I'm no better because I didn't learn. So if we ignore it, we're never going to get better. So I and I understand that. So I'm not saying that, but we have to look at those things through the through the lens of love and say, I refuse to hold that against you yep. because I love you. Mm-hmm. As hard as that is, yeah. And and we have to be honest and say too. Jesus says unforgiveness is one of the hindrances to answered prayers. I mean, he he says he says if if you can't forgive in, in one in one of those instances, mm-hmm. he says if you can't forgive. The father doesn't forgive you. Exactly. And so, and so, and and I like what you're saying because I want to go, I want to go somewhere and make it a little bit practical. And because we talk about being used, we talk about being used by God. And the the only way, and, and even take the example of of Pentecost, because exactly what happened in Pentecost and, and going back to this revival, back to this account, this history. Um, so there were immigrants who were at this meeting and who were a part of this revival, who they would go there and there are people speaking in their original language at yes. this revival. Yes. And so, and and whether it's white people, black people, it, this, some of them were uneducated black people speaking in a, in a foreign language, in the language that these, these visitors could understand. That's the spirit of God. That's the spirit of God. So, so, and you said, and you said kingdom, having that kingdom perspective, because we have to be careful not to have a world's perspective when it comes to these things. And we have to have a kingdom perspective because if we don't have a kingdom perspective, we're not going to be used. Exactly. God cannot use you if if you have ought toward your brother or your sister or even ought towards toward those who are not your brother and who are an enemy of God in any sort of way. If I have ought toward them, I cannot be used by God even, even in the simplest of ways of speaking in tongues because I'm... You see what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not, one, I'm not connected in the spirit truly. And, and uh uh it's it's a counterfeit. Yep. So I, I I can't have a true connection with God in the spirit, and then I can't be used because I've got unforgiveness or whatever toward toward really someone else. Um, and, and I can't be used in that way. So when we talk about when we talk about doing what God wills for us to do when we talk about our purpose when we talk about our mission when we talk about talk about what God has called us to do that is limited and that is hindered and that is that is stopped up by by what we allow um by the perspective of the world that we allow in in that in in reference to the spirit mm-hmm. so when we try to take a worldly perspective and do spiritual things like like what he's saying in this quote, it is counterfeit. Like, I don't want us to get that twisted. And you will not for, fulfill your full purpose of God with living in any amount of unforgiveness and any amount of ought. Again, not ignoring things that happen, not repeating history. Not, right. But, but if you're living in that unforgiveness or living in that hatred or living in this white or black, yellow, purple, right. don't matter. right. You're not going to fulfill the true purpose of God, and you're not going to be able to be used the way that you could be used 
without that, without that unity and without really, like, again, back to the quote, without moving in deeper love toward Jesus and deeper love toward your brothers and your sisters. Exactly. Sorry, I got fired up. Oh, dude, (laughs) I I get it. But it's just a passion point Mm -hmm. to me because I've, I've experienced racism on both sides. Because I, I've, I've never, and, and, and some people might get mad at me, but I, I can't say that as I know I'm a black man, but like I, I've, not that I've intentionally played the middle, but I was never really fully accepted by the black community, nor was I fully accepted by the white community. So I just, I, I stay where I was, where I, where I fit in. You know, and I and it's not that I had a certain amount of white friends and a certain it it didn't really matter to me because I, I but I was able to see it that way. And I'm not saying it's the right perspective because of the color of my skin. I'm saying it's the right perspective spiritually when you take an honest inventory and we take an honest look mm-hmm. at 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 these things because that's the mission is getting closer to God and closer in unity with with each other. It, and it's it's important to say that. And while you were talking, I was thinking about a good balance of remembering the history so yeah, that we don't repeat exactly, it, learning from exactly. it, but not harboring unforgiveness because of it, or even when it is repeated. Yeah, I was and thinking it's tough, of, man. It is. It's tough when you see, like, when you see the like, when you see the photos of people getting lynched and killed, and and like you got a gang of white people just watching and laughing, and that, that that's tough. I I get that. Like, I can't imagine. I. I when I see the pictures, I get upset, but I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I, yes, I need to, I need to, yeah, observing that. But, but I have, I have a duty to the spirit before I have a duty to my race, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I, I like, that's a tough statement. Yeah. But I have a duty to the spirit of God. I have a duty to, to Jesus himself before I, before I have a commitment to anything else. Yeah, Exactly. And I remember when I was a youth pastor in Alabama, before we moved here, uh, we took our students on a missions trip to Birmingham. And when I was talking with the the missions, the guy who was coordinating the missions trip, uh, we talked about what exactly we were going to do in Birmingham. And he, he mentioned the Civil Rights Museum. And I said, let's do it. Because I had, so we, in Alabama, we were in a church, everybody was white. Everybody. And, and just being perfectly real, and, and some of them may hear this, and sorry, but they wanted it that way. They wanted it that way. Mm. Um, it, most of them were not overtly racist, but they, um, they were, I don't want to say casual racists. I, I just really, a lot of things they would do was very racist, but they didn't understand it. Mm. It was like, it, it wasn't oftentimes intentional, but it was prejudices that had developed so long that they would just do and say things. That just that were racist. So the only students of color were in our youth group. Mm. And so I said, for them, we have to go to that civil rights museum and we have to take our white students and, and we have to take all of them and we have to go through there. We have to live with that. It has to be serious and we have to talk about it. And so we went through and it broke those students mm. and it broke me. I mean, it's hard to get choked up even now and I don't get choked up. I, it was just such a it was such a moving moment because it was so hard. The white students were coming to tell me I can't even I can't even look, and I'm like you're going to, 
You're going to. You're like holding their head. Yeah. <laughs> holding their head, like, making them look at the picture. I'm like holding their face <laughs> on the picture. But I'm like, I'm like, you you have to. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, have yeah. to encounter this. And I remember at one point I look over and one of the black young girls in our group, she was 17. I look over and it was in front of the the display they had for the four little girls that died in the in the church fire in Birmingham right down the street from where we were. So it really hit home. Yeah. And I look at her, and she is down on her knees crying in in front of that display. And and it just it broke us all. So, yes, the history broke us all of, of what happened and talking about how wrong it was and how we're destined to repeat it if we don't learn from it. But it also paved the way for unity because yeah. we addressed it because we let the students get out what they were feeling, what they were thinking, and what they wanted to say, and we were able to talk about it. And that that youth group was one of the most faithful and unified and loving groups of people that I've ever seen. And that experience had a lot to do with that for them. And so, yes, recounting these things is hard, and yes, it's going to bring up a lot of those feelings, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because that's the path to healing. But that's where the Spirit's going to take control. That's the path to healing. That's where He's going to move us into that kingdom perspective where we're guided by love, where, like 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs, but it also rejoices in the truth. So I, I can't hold your sin against you, but I can tell you the truth and mm-hmm. vice versa. And so we have to get to that balance, that balance of love, where we rejoice in the truth, we stand for the truth, we tell the truth, but at the same time, we don't harbor unforgiveness and bitterness because truth is not going to win the day in this age. Mm. It just won't. It's not until that kingdom's fully manifested. And then that's where we'll all speak the same spiritual language. Yeah. Everybody yeah. will be yeah. baptized. If you want to say baptized in the right. Holy Spirit right. in that way, that when his kingdom fully comes and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, that we'll all be speaking the same language in, in that moment. Not that our ethnicities won't matter. They will matter. It'll be a beautiful display of that diversity from the day of Pentecost. But that's when we look for the truth to win the day. And that's what we have to keep our eyes on. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talk about revival, when you talk about, um, you know, I, I, I think, again, Church Voice Podcast, you know, this is all about the church. And I think everyone in the church wants to see the spirit of God poured out at least one last time. And and so I think pre-pouring out, we got to address. Yes. We got to address these things and we got to address our prejudices and we got so that we can see the spirit of God poured yes. out so that we can be used in these ways mm-hmm. um beyond just speaking in tongues, word of wisdom, prophecy, word of knowledge, insight, whatever it is so that we can be used when when God is ready to pour out his spirit. Yes. Um so and and I and maybe I just I just want to end with that 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 our heart I think everybody listening to this your heart is to see God move in the United States of America to move in in the world to move in all these ways. And so we've got to look at these things and take a real tough look. Can you and Pastor Tyler we're just we'll just end with that um, I'll probably, you know, say a couple things after, but just give us that quote just in fullness one more time and then we'll we'll get out of here. The Pentecostal power, when you sum it all up, is just more of God's love. If Pen- it sorry, 
Pentecostal. <laughs> no, no, no. My bad. I'm a but but Pentecostal in 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 a sense of the biblical Holy Spirit. Because I don't want I don't want it to be twisted as Pentecostal as denominational. Right. But sorry. Go yeah. ahead. The Pentecostal power, when you sum it all up, is just more of God's love. If it does not bring more love, it is simply a counterfeit. Pentecost makes us love Jesus more and love our brothers more. It brings us all into one common family. Mm. That's so good. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to end on that because I know we went to some places and we got fired up, but I hope that this episode has just been a blessing to you guys. Listen, thank you so much for listening. Um, we will have another episode this time next week or really Friday, 7 p.m. Um, but again, you can listen to it all week. We're on Spreaker, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. Check us out. Uh, follow us on Instagram um, at Church Voice Podcast, all one word. Um, help us out over there. And uh, again, visit the church, christiancenter.org um, slash church dash voice dash podcast. Um, check out the church, listen to pastor sermons. Um, things have really been happening in our church and we're, and, and I'm grateful we're seeing the spirit really moving yes. in unity and in some really amazing ways. So, um, but be blessed, have a blessed week, be encouraged, and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace out, y'all. Peace.